We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is going on, Rotor Runners? Welcome back to the NFL Pick 6 Show, Week 9. Uh, join, uh, as always, usual suspects, two of the sharpest people in all of uh, DFS, of all, in all the uh, fantasy NFL world, batting first, leading off. Rebar, you know, from Sharp Football Analysis, Rich Rebar. Uh, hey, let's let's continue the bit that didn't work from last week. Could you believe it's week nine? <laughs> I can actually, Dean. But you know, especially <laughs> especially this especially this week, you know, where it's been a little longer start to the week, you know, given things going on uh, in our country. So hopefully, we provide a little levity and break from that for everybody that wants to talk about some, you know, early week nine football. I don't know what we're going to get tomorrow on the football field. We will resemble football or it'll just be like a preseason game, but uh, there's going to be a game tomorrow supposedly as well. But uh, yeah, man, I'm happy to come out with you guys share some early thoughts. This is a fun looking slate too. And we got a lot of weird pieces on the board because uh, the season's starting to get kind of weird. Yeah, it's a, an 11 game main slate. Of course, you referenced tomorrow night, the Green Bay San Fran game. And, you know, we're going to have content here at RG you know, on the site, content uh, on the YouTube as well. What's up, YouTube? If you guys are live with us, feel free to comment in the chat, like, subscribe, notifications, all that good deal. We much appreciate it. Uh, Devin's going to go ahead and drop a link for you guys if you want to get RG Premium. Core 4 gets $5 off the first month. Check out that link. Have at it. Uh, we're not going to be showing off our fancy tools. We show them off on the weekends and other shows as well, some of the premium tools. And uh, actually, Rebar, are you not? I feel like I was taking a peek at the schedule. Are you joining me this Sunday? I think that's a thing. I will be. This Sunday morning, I will be coming on with you. 
Awesome. Yeah. So Sunday, uh, if you guys are not aware out there, Rebar's me joining me. We kind of shuffled up every single week, but three hours before lock. I'll bring the donuts. <laughs> what, what power? What's the top donut on the board? What do you have for me? Um, I'm like someone that I just like a, like nice, simple donuts. If I'm going to go something with like some kind of like icing or anything, I like maple, but I like a simple, like either just a plain glaze or uh, like a blueberry cake donut. Ooh, maple sounds like a, like a GBP. That sounds pretty contrarian for me. Uh, that, that game on Thursday, you referenced that Green Bay San Fran, thankfully we won't talk about it, but there will be a showdown video. Uh, Blender's probably partaking in it. And I'm sure we'll have all sorts of cockamamie theories that almost definitely can work because who knows how to build a lineup tomorrow night. It's going to be a disaster. Uh, we don't talk about the Sunday night game either. Tampa Bay, New Orleans, uh, New England, and the Jets on Monday. That'll be fun for sure as well, too. Not talking about that. And Cincy, Cleveland, the Rams, Philly, all on by. Uh, Daigle, welcome to week nine. What's your favorite donut? Uh, I prefer apple fritters. That might be an old man contrarian take as well, but that's where I stand. Even Is that though- a donut? Is that a donut? I mean, so to be fair, I like, uh, if we're going full on donut, I like uh, the boutique places. Like my favorite place ever, there's a place in Santa Monica called Sidecar. And I used to go in, also Voodoo in Denver and Portland. But like oh. Sidecar, you go in and it's, it of course, it's like way too expensive for a dozen donuts. But, and I do buy a dozen because I think like I'm the rock and I can just handle a dozen where well, that's clearly <laughs> not the case. These body forms are totally different. But like they give you, they give you like eggnog donuts. They give you like poached egg inside your donuts. They do all these crazy things. So that's my kind of donut is just out of this world different. There you go. You got some hot, hot takes when it comes to donuts. Uh, I've heard of Voodoo, the one in uh, Portland, apparently they're famous oh, for the uh, grape, donuts, ape. grape Ape from Voodoo is probably the best donut in this land. It is fantastic. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll make a trip out there one of these days. What we do, of course, uh, on the uh, the Pick 6 show, we focus on three of the main games here that we uh, were focused on, obviously. The ones that are kind of popping on a Wednesday night. Remember, if you're watching us on the replay, this is Wednesday night. Uh, news flow is goofy, especially this particular season for the NFL. Especially so, this week. Yeah, yeah, because... We might be talking – Chase Daniel can definitely be a thing, and we don't know if he's a thing on, until, like, Sunday morning as of right now. Uh, he's 4K on DK. By the way, I saw you guys commenting in the, in the YouTube chat, uh, and, like, they were saying that I focus too much on DK. And I, I'm trying to talk Vandal. I apologize. I, my brain is hardwired for DK, but I play on both sites. I'll do my best to give the, uh, the head nod and the acknowledgement to Vandal as well. I'll, I'll do my best as well because I do actually play a lot on FanDuel. The only thing about FanDuel is that you can pretty much play whoever the hell you want to. So that's why <laughs> it's hard. But I will do my best to focus on FanDuel too. The cap is getting a little bit tighter though. Have you not noticed? At least, at least yes. I've noticed that. And there's not a lot of quote unquote value, at least as of right now, from what I can see at least, like that I feel comfortable with. Is that's, that's where I'm at on a Wednesday night. Is that kind of where you're at too as far as building lineups or – you like what you, you're seeing as far as uh, so far so good. I mean, I had a nice little placeholder and I felt good about it on a Wednesday. But if it goes like last week, I'm just going to change it on Sunday morning and lose everything. So, <laughs> I don't know what the hell I was doing last week? I did that last week, man. That was like the token rule. You always say like, don't get get thrown off. And like, I woke up, I went outside. And I'm here. I'm like 20 minutes west of Cleveland and went outside. And I was like, oh hell no! <laughs> like this is like that game's going to be a disaster. And like I started changing lineups around. And like I, then I. Then it just snowballed. I went off of the Cleveland Raiders game and took that into like taking Devontae Adams out of lineups. Uh-huh. It was just like it is. It all went. It all went uh, real south real quick. Yeah. Can, I tell, can I tell you? A, can I tell you a worse story? Well, it's not a worse story, but uh, I was doing the same thing. And what happened is that I turned around and I'm watching. I have a Chief stack going on. I have a double stack. I have Derrick Henry going on. I have DK waiting in the afternoon. I'm thinking, oh, like this is it. Like this is finally the week. I'm still going to be just even money and trying to win more money the rest of the season. But this is the week I finally get it back. And then I look up at my DK contest. 
and I, I usually enter all the mid-stake like spy con- tournaments. I accidentally max entered every 10 cent tournament. So I took, <laughs> I took the money from 10 cent entries as opposed to the mid-stake uh, ranges. And so that is how my week went only a few days after making fun of you, Dean, for the Hunter Harrison Bryant fiasco. <laughs> Karma all the way around. There you go. This is right? a sharp outfit. This is a sharp outfit right here. <laughs> really? Well, you're, well, you're, you're doing Rebar, you're going to goof. You're going you're gonna to screw something up this week. I'm not really sure. I told you I did on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be disastrous. My original sure. lineup, both my original lineups on both sides would have smashed. They would have crushed. Like if I just, right. but I got up Sunday morning, so I went outside, started moving guys around and altering my lineups and just totally botched everything. <laughs> I'm thankful, at least as of Wednesday night, I don't think we have to deal with weather so much. Or like, I'm done with the weather oh, week. No. Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully yeah, it's yeah. not going to be a thing so much uh, this week. Stay tuned. Obviously, Kevin Roth will be all with that as well here at Runner Grinders. All right, we focus on three games. The one game that popped for me and the one game that popped for you guys as well. Uh, no surprise, Seattle versus Buffalo. We know about Seattle's ridiculous offense. Their defense is vulnerable as well, too. And Except when they're playing against Jimmy G. Uh, and like last week, we just, I should go up saying I was a chalk donkey and I had so much Jimmy G and Kittle. It was a disaster for me. So I'm happy. DFS, you know, we, when it goes well, no matter when it goes poorly, there's always a new day. There's always a new week that we're going to be start back up at zero again. I'm happy to move on to week nine. Uh, Daigle, set the stakes here as far as Seattle and Buffalo, because this feels like just the most beautiful game. I wish it was in a dome. It's in Buffalo, but it appears like the Buffalo weather is going to be okay, relatively speaking, considering it's Buffalo. How much do we love this game? Because this is the one that pops for me right, right off the gate. And I'm sure that's the same deal with the chat and everybody else. Oh, we love the game. And even if it's like last week where Seattle just hung nearly 40 points on the 49ers, the <laughs> fact is Seattle built that lead still behind Russell Wilson. Um, and that's the issue here in tournaments and cash games, honestly, weekly, is that you got to go one of these guys, either either DK Metcalf or Kyler Lockett. And the past two weeks, we've got it right. Pretty much just taking the guy up lower, lower ownership. The issue is for DFS this week is that uh, Tyler Lockett is the one with the lower ownership most likely because he's 1K lower on DraftKings in particular than DK, but he's also the one with the better matchup, honestly. Uh, DK Mecca, of course, will be against Tredavious White, but more importantly, Buffalo's interiors, we attack both with tight ends and with wide receivers. And in the slot, of course, is where Lockett will be. On the other side of the ball as well, like Buffalo has targeted wide receivers at the second highest rate in the league. And that's exactly where we're tar- targeting players against Seattle's secondary. It looks like Jamal Adams may be back this week, but it doesn't matter because we're not playing a Buffalo tight end anyhow. We're going to play two wide receivers. Everyone's going to focus on one in particular. So the total is one that even if Buffalo doesn't carry their own weight, and I think they can and will, the fact is we still love Russ and DK and Tyler in this particular matchup. All right, Rich. Uh, the Metcalf, the Metcalf Lockett deal. It feels like you should probably roster one of these guys. One of them's going to go nuts, and you know, obviously, there's been a big discrepancy the last two weeks, and we've already spent way too much of the time. We smashed the over as far as matchups. White presumably is going to be on Metcalf. He's also more expensive. Uh, what do you do with that in cash? What do you do with that in tournaments? Yeah, I mean, you can try to get cute and go against the grain because this is going to be a week two where everyone's going to want to play Lockett. Everyone's on Lockett already this early in the week. Because of that matchup and the two cornerbacks that the two bigger body cornerbacks that Seattle's faced that they've had shadow have been locket games. You know, you go to the New England game and Metcalf did catch the long touchdown 
on Stephon Gilmore, but, you know, Lockett had the seven catches. He only had seven yards. They gave him a score. And then the night that they just let Tyler Lockett beat Drake or Patrick over and over and over again uh, to the tune of 20 targets uh, when Patrick Peterson shadowed him. What's well, like clearly a Lockett game as well. It's a bummer that because the, the first three weeks of the season, these guys each had a 20 percent team target share higher in each of the first three games together. And then it's just completely oscillated. It's been one or the other every week since. Uh, obviously everyone's going to be on Lockett. It's really hard, but Dagle, to Dagle's point, I mean, it's, it's a complete wide receiver game in general. I mean, this is Seattle wide receivers lead the league in catchable target rate and the bills are second uh, right behind them. Um, and then you look on the other side, 64% of the non-passing PPR points Seattle's lot have been scored by opposing wide receivers, the highest rate in the league by far. Uh, Stefan Diggs has been really rock solid, you know, getting traded uh, over to Buffalo this year. And the past month, his usage has just basically just gone insane. And it's probably a part of why the Bills may have honestly started to struggle as well. I mean, you think of the first opening four games, they were spreading the ball around. Uh, guys are like Gabriel Davis are making plays. John Brown's making plays. Cole Beasley's been pretty good the whole season. Um, but then the last month, Stefan Diggs has gone from a 24% team target share the first four weeks to 35% the past four weeks, 42% of the team air yards the past month, as opposed to 34% prior. They're just jamming him targets. It's basically what their offense has kind of devolved into. They were a team throwing a lot on first down. They're running a lot of jet motion. They were uh, running a lot of play action. All that's kind of come down the past month and Diggs has been fine. They're jamming him targets, but the rest of the offense has kind of struggled. It's a good get right spot for, I think these guys, all these guys, these ancillary pieces, John Brown, especially is intriguing. Uh, if I can talk you into a guy that's had five yeah. catches for 63 yards <laughs> since week two, uh, I'm going to try to do it. I mean, so last week he came back, he's been kind of in and out of the lineup, but he played, he ran a pass route on 96% of the team dropbacks. Uh, we know that Seattle has already allowed 17 different wide receivers, 17 to post double-digit PPR points in a game this season. He is dirt cheap on both sites. Uh, we know he's got some big big playability as well. Uh, this could be a game where you run with just digs, a Bills or with a, your favorite Bills receiver of choice because also Seattle's been really bad against slot receivers as well. So you play Diggs, Brown, and Beasley together. Uh, you can play him with Josh Allen. You can play him with Russ. You can come back with just Lockett. I mean, that's pretty much going to be the bread and butter uh, combo here of how you're trying to bring us back because all the other guys are really you're just getting cute with. Uh, David Moore has, hasn't had more than three catches or three targets in any game this season. He's always a fun guy you like to look at, but that's it. Gabriel Davis is getting no burn now, and Will Disley has closed the gap on Greg Olson now. So – it's really we're really highlighting those core guys and they're at the receiver receiver position. I, I said I was going to mention a lot of FanDuel, but I'm about to mention DraftKings again, if only because Disley is actually uh, priced only 2700, whereas Greg Olson is popping as the better value at 3100. But Disley closed the gap last week and the past two weeks. Seattle has run the most plays in the league out of 12 personnel. So we can actually expect Disley to be on the field against a defense that's allowed the fourth most fantasy point to opposing tight ends. And again, from the slot in line, that's where they continue to struggle. Matt Milano just being terrible this year and covering tight ends, probably because he's just banged up every single week. So I do kind of like sneaking in Disley, to be honest, but Disley and John Brown are like my favorite ancillary pivots or just op cheap options in general in this entire slate. You think Beasley is safer than Brown and Brown is more upside? Is that fair to say? 
Beasley's safer, yes, but I th- his best games have come while John Brown was pretty much banged up. Even in, even in that game, he returned and played a ninety four percent of the snaps three weeks ago, uh, and he like he dropped a few balls. He dropped a touchdown in the back of the end zone. Like that's that's when Beasley has seceded. So it definitely can happen, but I'm still higher personally and for tournaments on John Brown than Beasley. Uh, it's Wednesday night here, Rebar. But what are we expecting? What do you expect? And how do you react as far as the Seattle backfield? With Carson, uh, a homer, of course, D.J. Dallas had a big game last week. I don't think it's going to be as his backfield once again, but we'll see on Sunday. You have early thoughts? Early word was that Carlos Hyde looks to be doubt, more doubtful. Homer's going to play again and probably maybe potentially even have an extended role. Uh, not sure. I mean, D.J. Dallas was essentially, you know, David Montgomery last week. You know, he, he ran a pass route on 77 percent team dropbacks. We just seen like you don't have to be efficient if you have the, the in line to the touches that matter running pass routes and getting goal line carries. Because if you fall into the end zone twice, you're there. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's what we will have to wait and see, you know, early in the week to see if like, maybe Carson tries to go. They This team never seemingly wants to rule Carson out until it's like the last minute in the 11th hour. Uh, granted, they play at one this week. We won't have to wait uh, until the, the late swap, uh, like we had to take advantage of last week. Uh, and I did late swap to him, too. It just didn't matter because my other my lineups were still just too bad. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, demoralized, too, and I, I don't think I could salvage. I was thinking about it, and I had some Coleman as well at 4K, and I, I was trying to decide which one to play, and I don't think it mattered. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm too far buried. I, I had, Doesn't make I had, a difference. I had Coleman as well. Uh, and he did lead the team of carries for that drive and a half, but then he got banged <laughs> up again. So it didn't matter at all. Uh, Moss and Singletary. It feels like Moss is creeping up a little bit. Um, you know, he, he did fall into the end zone twice last week. He actually played pretty well too. It's worth saying both of them, I think got 14 carries if I'm not mistaken uh, in a game that they beat New England in. Uh, are the prices cheap enough here, Daigle, to consider either one? I mean, the only issue is that Josh Allen is still this team's red zone back or goal line back, of course. Uh, even last, even the past two weeks, let's say, two carries inside the 10-yard line. Um, he had a touchdown from there, so Zach Moss's line could have been higher. I just don't, since it's still a timeshare, Zach Moss is clearly the lead in this backfield now, but still Devin Singletary is involved between the tw- 20s enough to where I think it takes away from Moss's uh, floor really and so I would just take a chance on Josh Allen perhaps double stacking him instead and getting away from the running backs altogether since Moss's value in my opinion does come down to running in inside the 10-yard line over Josh Allen yeah I mean I think this one this one feels like a passing game but of course the kids are going to say you know the sharp kids elect their leverage Moss feels like a leverage play whatever happens to that you know if we get a clean outcome as far as that Seattle backfield uh, if Carson's a go we shall see and yeah, they're always trying to be deceptive there in Seattle, Carroll, for whatever reason. I don't know if the, they think Buffalo's game planning for, for Carson just want to waste, waste our time for a few hours. Who knows what's going on there? Uh, summarize this game for us, Rebar. Uh, Wilson, Allen, you got to pick one of these quarterbacks. You're making one single entry lineup. Who is it? Probably Allen because I want to play two Bills guys. I think the, so I, I probably would just go with Allen and you get to, and, and you get to, like Daigle said, he's the goal linebacker. Imagine not knowing that that was, a, wasn't a QB draw last week when they played the Patriots, when they're an empty <laughs> on the three yard line and that Josh Allen isn't just running a QB draw. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I'll probably go, I'll probably go Allen. I think the chalk stack is Allen, two bills and lock it. Um, so I think that's the chalk stack, the square, the square play. 
And we just yeah. haven't seen Josh Allen for a month now. He had that weird Tuesday night Tennessee game, uh, short turnaround against the Chiefs on Monday night. The Jets, which he should have been better, but again, they reached the red zone eight times. They didn't pump the ball. They just <laughs> they just couldn't score it in that game. And then, of course, last week against New England's defense, who always plays in well. So this is finally a boom spot for Josh Allen and the Bills to carry their own weight on offense. It feels really hard to score 18 points and not punt. I don't know if there's got to feel like like a record or something like that, but that's definitely something that happened. He missed two field goals too. Yeah, Tyler Uh, Bass. By the way, I just noticed on the zoom in, uh, Rich's BoJack shirt. I just want to say, I I just want to applaud that because it's like my favorite show of all time. BoJack, beautiful. I picked up smoking during that show because it's so (laughs) depressing, but it's still my favorite show of all time. We'll do a BoJack podcast one day. There's a lot to cover. Uh, This week is too long. Let's move on. Uh, The the next game we'll talk about, hey, the Kansas City Chiefs, again, uh, they they had like a 34-35 team total. They definitely met that last week. Once again, 31.5 team total facing the Carolina Panthers, a 21 team total, 10-point favorite here. 52.5 is the total, the return of CMC. Uh, who do you want to start with here, Rebar, as far as Kansas City or Carolina? Who are you more excited about? I mean, always we're always more excited about the Chiefs. I mean, they, what they have the largest team total again on the slate. Uh, just tried and true, man, every week. Uh, you know, you see like last week, we, I mean, we, even when you're on them, it's just, you know, Mahomes, he, get, he got the two to Tyreek. Kelsey got one. Hardman got one. Demarcus Robinson got one. The backs didn't do anything. Uh, this is a matchup where you'd love to look at the backs and the and – the, uh, the backfield production that's been put up on Carolina so far this season. And we also have this weird thing where Carolina, uh, they don't blitz. They don't put any pressure on quarterbacks. They just drop back and play zone coverage, and they don't even try to rush the passer. Uh, they're 28th in the NFL in blitz rate. Uh, that's kind of what, like, has been how teams have approached Patrick Mahomes. They don't blitz him outside of the Ravens, uh, and they got roasted because he's just destroyed the blitz this season. He's averaging 9.7 yards for pass attempt against the blitz this season, 7.7 yards uh, against teams when they don't blitz, which is still good. It's just not – it's just a two-yard difference. It's like when people used to cite Drew Brees' splits on the road. It's like, yeah, but on the road, he's still really better than all the other quarterbacks on the road. It's just not – he's just not ungodly. Uh, that's kind of where we are with, like, Mahomes versus the blitz and all the zone coverage teams are throwing him uh the Panthers that's their game they don't want to get beat deep they don't want to give up chunk plays in the passing game that's why they're in the top five in yards allowed per completion and yards per pass attempt allowed even though they faced a, a good healthy amount of good quarterbacks as well uh so far in the season they've definitely faced their share of bad quarterbacks as well but it, that's why they're just an inviting team they invite teams to run and play slow games teams against the Panthers average the fewest possessions per game in the NFL uh because they run the ball and they don't stop the clock. They don't throw in completions. Uh, so, I mean, it's a game where you're looking for a hyper-efficient offense, and the Chiefs can provide that. Uh, this could be, like I said, just a, an intriguing spot where we don't get the five passing touchdowns from home. We've seen in these games where they're willing to just t- lean on the run game, uh, let Clyde edwards run, let whatever touches they're going to give to Le'Veon Bell happen. Uh, it's kind of a sh- intriguing ground here because, you know, you like to pay for Mahomes. It's not like last week where you – he's you pay for him but he's just no one's really on him uh and he comes at a discount I mean I still think that people are going to be looking at the Chiefs this week um in that game to potentially get there but I mean it's just when you look at the way Carolina plays defense it doesn't set up for like a bonanza game from the passing game yeah 8.1k from Mahomes on DK which is more expensive than the aforementioned Wilson more expensive than Allen 1.1k more and I believe on Fandle he's more expensive than Bose as well as well Wilson's 9k Allen is 8.2 and it uh, looks like, yeah, Mahomes is 9-3. But the price is warranted. The price is justified. But 
you know, Daigle, I, I think, at least as of right now, I'm probably going to start with that Seattle-Buffalo game. Of course, I make more than one lineup, and if by all means, it makes a lot of sense to, to get to that KC uh, team as well. And who's the, the most natural pairing? And that's the tricky part with KC, because it can be one of five or six guys, depending on the week. Uh, you're rostering Mahomes. Who's your favorite pairing with him? Well, all these numbers are skewed the past two games just because they've been afforded to bench their starters. That's why Le'Veon Bell is getting in the field. That's why I'm very interested in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for all the reasons Rich mentioned, but also because perhaps people are worried that Bell may cut into his time even more. And that could happen, but I think it's worth the risk now that he's only like 6,100 on DraftKings. Um, touchdown dependent, of course, so a bit trickier on FanDuel. But either way, I think he's still the clear workhorse in that situation. But for me, if I am going with Mahomes, it would be Travis Kelsey, tried and true, uh, defying Levitan's age model. It doesn't matter at all. The dude still shows up <laughs> and is a top five tight end every single week. Uh, everyone spent their their offseason arguing about which late round tight ends to a tight end one. The answer was one, none of them. And two, it doesn't matter. Just draft Travis Kelsey in the first two rounds. Just get it over with and be consistent. But also, uh, I'm high on Nicole Hardman. Again, the numbers are skewed. But for the first time, he actually ran more routes than Demarcus Robinson this past week. Um, actually outsnapped him as well. It was just efficient. Seven of his nine targets came while Mahomes and the starters were still on the field. If they just get him this amount of volume, that's what he can do weekly. It's it's clearly it's volatile. It's boomer bust. That's why it's much better for tournaments. But I have no fear in going back to him. And I'm someone who played Demarcus Robinson last week. Once I saw the field going to the cheap Jets receivers, I wanted the Chiefs Chiefs receivers. And um, admittedly, I backdoored into Marcus Robinson <laughs> since McCall Hardman was surprisingly used over him. But I think this offense unlocks more if Hardman's on the field. Yeah. Enzo uh, Mims chalk week is one of the more bizarre things that I <laughs> can think of, man. We've, we've pushed a lot of men price dudes up, and I've done our, our my fair share of it too. But I got like, some more today too. Don't worry. A Sam Darnold like receiver that wasn't even like the slot receiver that we knew was going to get the most targets like became chalky. I, I was victory lapping in the first quarter. I'm not going to lie. I, I had a whole bunch of them. I'm a chalk donkey. Uh, I saw somebody out there on Twitter talking about how he had a total, apparently, of I think 40, 42 and a half was his yardage total. Uh, maybe he on DK or something like that. He got 42 in the first quarter. He got 42 in the first quarter. He ended the game with 42. He's like, ah, oh, I'm good. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and like the guy who got the targets, of course, the past two weeks now has 18 targets for 69 yards. That's not nice, by the way. It's <laughs> awful. Barrios. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, PPR monster. I, I think, uh, what's his name? Who took down the, uh, gosh, uh, um, why am I? Leone. Leone uh, took down the stack. Uh, Leone, yeah. The he took down the Thunderdome. Yeah, and by the way, <laughs> my 10 cent tournament had a lineup had six more points than Leone's Thunderdome winning lineup. It oh, still geez. hurts, by the way. It still absolutely <laughs> well, You've got to enter, too. Like, you, it's hard, it's yeah. hard to enter for 5,300. That's that's the key. That's one of the keys. <laughs> that's true, too. Yeah. I saw somebody saying if they if they max uh, max entered at 150 entries, that they would win it. Like, well, yeah, you would. But you got to do it. I don't even know how you get it 150 out of 30, but that's a whole other conversation. That's the, that's the rich penalty theory when people cite that touchdowns <laughs> didn't count and, like, they use it as positive. Rich is like, yeah, they were cheating. Of course. Like, you can't yeah. cheat to score a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Rebar, they're talking about CEH in the chat. Uh, are we excited about C? It's a CEH week, and then CMC is 8.5k on DK. I don't, I imagine he's not going to play 100 percent of the snaps in his first week back. And that's you know, we, we've paid 10k for him in the past. Now he's what, uh, 9.5 on Fandle, 8.5 on DK. They, they're talking about working Davis in, like he earned a spot to some degree. Maybe they're both out there at the same time. I don't know. Uh, is it like a wait and see on McCaffrey, or is it like? let's fire and see what happens. Maybe we have a ceiling game right at the gate. 
I mean, and then tournaments and game stacks, if you're blocking this game, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's a necessity to play in cash uh, just because, I mean, I think it's another really good spot for you. We could play like Dalvin Cook if we want. We've got some other cheaper guys that I think we believe can get there, like Chase Edmonds, you know, if there's no Kenyon Drake. Uh, but, I mean, I don't really see any reason to run away if he is playing, like to just go back to him. I mean, even if – I mean, yeah, Christian McCaffrey was playing 95% of the snaps. Like the guy just never came off the field. So, like a reduction is still could mean a, a higher than every other running back, uh, you know, in the league. There still is opportunity there. Uh, and then you talk about just the kind of player he is and how just productive he's been. It's, he's really hard to get away from him. He's basically this era's Marshall Falk, despite what Bruce Arian says about Alvin Kamara. Um, Clyward Solaire, same story. Like, you, you really can't play him in cash. But, yeah, game stacks and game blocks, especially, like, to go a pivot off of the Chiefs passing game. Because um, even though they, they have had blowouts, uh, his usage and usage per snap played, his utilization per snap is way down uh, since they've gotten Le'Veon Bell. His opportunities for snap have been 44.4% against Denver uh, and 27.3% last week. So he was still not getting the ball as much per snap or getting as targeted up per snap as he was prior, which was 51% of the time prior to that. So, I mean, there still is a level of where we have seen him play a full game competitive to see where this kind of shakes out, but he is actually being used less too in the opportunities that he's been given. Uh, it is an opportunity though. When you look at defensively, Carolina is allowing 4.7 yards for carry to running backs. That's 25th opposing backfields touch the ball 30.1 times per game against them. That is 27th uh, in the league as well. Uh, the chiefs granted, they don't care about any of those numbers. They're going to play whatever the hell they want to do and make you stop what they do. Uh, but they have acquiesced to us this year when teams just drop back and play so much zone coverage. If you're going to let them run the ball for six yards a time, they'll do it. Uh, Patrick Holmes has complained about it after a couple games, but he said, hey, I got if we're ripping yards, we're going to keep ripping yards. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think he's an interesting turn play. You just have to hope he gets in the box, like Daigle said. I mean, even that Denver touchdown he scored from 11 yards out. We still have yet to see them get down to, like, the two-yard line and see who comes in. Uh, and, like, if they run, like, a, a halfback power or something. Like, we haven't seen that yet. So, I mean, until that happens, you know, it's always going to be in the back of our minds, like, is he, is he going to get these carries? Uh, but yeah, no, no complaints, you know, he's a direct pivot here. You have I think a, it'll, okay. I think, I think it'll come down to ownership Sunday morning, like, cause this is now two times in the past three weeks that the winning tournament strategy was to pivot to the chiefs passing game. Um, I guess the difference here is that I think Carolina can't actually carry their weight in this matchup. And if they do, then maybe the Chiefs do keep their foot on the gas through the air. But also, like, it's, it's going to depend because I do really want to play Kyra Solaire because if that becomes the, uh, the, the primary strategy to stack Mahomes, then I want to try something else as well because there's a quarterback we're going to talk about soon that I really like this week a lot. You're, uh, you're stacking up the Chiefs. Who's your favorite bring back here, Daigle? Your favorite bring back in Carolina? It's Robbie Anderson. The past month has dictated really uh, a changing of the guard. Um, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore are very close in that span of air yards, literally just five yards apart. But DJ Moore instead, unlike Robbie Anderson that first month, has two red zone targets compared to Anderson's zilch and then leads the team in end zone targets as well in that span. Of course, Christian McCaffrey could return and ruin this for everyone. Maybe he's the run back here. But the fact that uh, Robbie Anderson now has gone to full four games, five games without scoring a touchdown, whereas DJ Moore has three in the past month, like I'm just trying to find the positive regression person who is they're still using like their number one receiver in both deep shots and intermediate level of the field, and I would go Robbie Anderson personally. 
about but, Robbie Anderson turning into last year's DJ Moore? <laughs> yeah. That's what's is, happened. Is that your answer as well, Bo? Is Anderson your, your answer as well, uh, uh, Rebar, as far as your favorite bring back in Carolina? I mean, I, they're both the, kind of the Spider-Man meme. Everyone yeah. kind of wants mm-hmm. to pick one or uh, – everyone kind of wants to pick one or the other guy. The answer to you guys is both, man. Their usage is almost identical. The one difference, as Daigle said, is that DJ Moore has five end zone targets this season. They're, you know, he's kind of the guy getting the actual plays called for him when they get to the box. Uh, to try to put it in the paint. I mean, the Chiefs are excellent against wide receivers, and they have been the last three years running. Um, but, I mean, this is what Carolina does. Like, the ball is going to go to these two players. Uh, I'm curious with McCaffrey back if they take McCaffrey off the field inside the 10 and give Curtis Samuel a, a carry uh, with McCaffrey back in the fold. You can pull that stuff with Mike Davis. Let's see if Chris McCaffrey allows that. Do we expect that? <laughs> we don't expect that, do we? <laughs> it's happened two weeks in a row. Yeah, and, well, yeah, but it's not McCaffrey, but that's, that's a reasonable point. What do you and I actually do believe, Matt, Matt Rule, that they will play Mike Davis. I mean, I still don't think it's it's going to be like a, what, 85-15, 80-20, but I still I think they will play Mike Davis because they know they're out. Like uh, two of the top three seeds in the NFC right now belong to the NFC South. They signed him long-term. Why, why run him into the ground at this point? Exactly. But also, like, why bring him back? You know, it's – it's that you mentioned Bojack Horseman and in my brain, you know, uh, what's his name? Aaron Paul. He hosts, uh, he's yeah. one of the voices in that show. I was thinking Breaking Bad, like the full measures, half measures. Like why half measure it here with CMC if you're going to bring him back? But uh, I don't know. We, we shall see. Stay tuned. And uh, I think he's got to be in the tournament bucket of nothing else. What's your at, thought? Feel free to at, at least Bojack was better for Aaron Paul than Need for Speed was. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a Need for Speed fan. <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone is, to be honest. Yeah. Well, keep cashing them checks, Aaron Paul. I'll, great oh. actor. Probably a poor movie choice there. Uh, we got anything else here, uh, Rebar, Dagle, or moving on? Um, no, last season of Westworld was awful too. Yeah, that's that's oh. true too. Uh, I'll, I'll quickly. <laughs> it's not really a case to play Teddy Bridgewater, but he's not a bad option, honestly. I, to be fair, I'm not going to have him, but again, I'll defend it just because the Chiefs have not been tested in the past month. Ever since really they played the Raiders and the Raiders hung 40 on them in a win against them. But ever since then, their stats have been padded because they got Josh Allen in that short week we mentioned earlier and then Drew Locke and then the Jets this past week. And so at least the Panthers are averaging the fifth most yards per drive. They're an efficient offense with who could be getting back Christian McCaffrey now. So there's reason to believe that the Panthers will answer and respond against the Chiefs defense at least. I think we're moving on. You mentioned the Raiders. It's a good segue. Our next game, our third of the three games. And of course, we're going to break it down position by position. Some players that we have not talked about uh, that are in different games. There's 11 games in the slate, focusing on three. We'll, we'll branch out and talk about the other eight. Uh, Raiders, Chargers, 26 and a half total for, for the Chargers, 25 and a half for the Raiders. It's high and it's tight. 52 game total here, uh, 52 as far as the number. Um, hey, man, I feel like we're talking about Herbert every single week. And every single week, it's like, wow, this guy is really, really impressive. And uh, look, I'm not a draft guy, I'm not a college guy, but a lot of people are just crapping all over the Chargers, like saying this is a terrible pick. And who is this guy? And he was bad in college, but he looks legit to me. He looks awesome so far. Uh, and this is a pristine matchup as well. We talk about some quarterbacks that we like a good bit. And well, you kind of reference it there, uh, Daniel, that there's a quarterback coming up in a game that you like going to talk about. And I, maybe you like Carr a little bit, but I feel like you are referencing Herbert for Herbert. You know, it's, it's our God. It's Justin uh, Herbert. I mean, my, man, this guy, I love watching him. Uh, first of all, I hope people are off the Raiders in general because of the weather last week. Uh, and they don't understand how good <laughs> the Raiders offense is. I'll let Reeves talk about that, but for the Chargers, Okay. Well, also they're going to be in LA. So no weather concerns. 
Also, since this has become a around the world food podcast, I'll tell you Oscar's Tacos and the Grilled Cheese Truck, the best you can find in San Diego. So if you're in the area and you're wearing a mask, please go check those two places out. But for all the reasons that we liked Baker Mayfield last week, it's the same thing here, except with a consistent, much better quarterback averaging the fifth most fantasy <laughs> points per game at his position. The Raiders are still getting pressure at the 23rd highest rate or lowest rate, uh, second to last in sack rate. And now the Chargers, since they're by, I have a lot of issues still with Anthony Lynn. I still think he's doing a poor job. But the fact is, in the first half the past two weeks, this offense is as is averaging the fifth highest pass play rate as opposed to running the ball what they were doing in the first six games, seven games of this season before before their bye. So now with Justin Herbert, they understand what they have. They're just more efficient throwing the ball. He flips field position with a single flick of his wrist. And so, yes, in this spot against the Raiders defense, we like to attack for all the reasons I mentioned. I'm all over Justin Herbert double stack here. All right, Reba, are you on board? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this game is, I mean, it's the same reason why we were circling the Raiders last week. And then, you know, the, the Cleveland weather kind of got in the way. It was real. They are, yeah. they're good. The Raiders are a legit good offense. And I don't know if anyone realized that they they're six in the NFL and EPA on offense. They've scored on 55% of their drives, which is the highest rate in the league. More, higher, they scored a higher rate in their drives than the chiefs, uh, the, the saints, the bucks, any other good offense to think of. They score more per, per possession. And then on defense, they are lying 3.1 points per drive, which is the highest rate in the league. So they don't play any defense either. Uh, they're exactly what we want. Um, they're just, you know, everyone just has this, you know, obviously the stigma of, of Derek Carr and he's not an exciting quarterback and he's not sexy and he's, he's, well, he's boring and he gives terrible post-game inter- interviews and no <laughs> one likes him. Uh, but the offense is good. It's efficient and they don't have, they just don't have household names. Like guys, we, we, we glom onto, you know, they Josh Jacobs is like an extension of Derek Henry and, uh, he's getting used somewhat more in the passing game, but still not not even in the context of being like a guy that is you play for getting receiving points. And they've got Darren Waller, who's a who's a nice, really good, solid player, and probably now the second best tight end for the remainder of the season. You know, outside of Travis Kelsey, um, but outside of that, they don't have like any anybody like we're super excited to play. Always, they never kind of make it, but they 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 play in these high scoring games. They played a bunch of good defenses that they've hung with. So I don't really expect that. And then the Chargers defense, you know, that just gave up uh, a backdoor 30 points to Drew Locke. I don't, I'm not willing to qualify as a good defense uh, in (laughs) in that context. Um, So it could be a really fun game. And honestly, the Chargers for as much as we talk about like the Seahawks always playing weird games, like the Chargers are starting to be that other team too. Like all their games are just weird as hell now. Uh, even when they played the Jaguars two weeks ago, like we're getting Jaguars block punts for touchdowns and like all their games are shooting out. Uh, they're not playing normal ones ever uh, either. So all these have Chargers they played games the Falcons yet? Fun. Like who would win in a Chargers Falcons game? Because it would be what, nobody like if t- a tie. They do play though this year. <laughs> Looking forward oh, to hope, Hopefully Calvin's healthy because that's going to be the ultimate shootout. And it's going to come down to a last failed possession. <laughs> yeah they do play but yeah I mean, it's hard to get away from i mean it's easily you know you look at keenan now this this show has a long history with mike williams so i'm not gonna talk about him uh seemingly the only guy that cannot get off with justin herbert is hunter henry even though he's running a pass route yeah. of 80 percent of the dropbacks like he's had 39 yards or fewer and four catches or fewer in each of his past four games although everyone else is like seemingly just going off and doing things uh with with herbert uh so maybe we'll get some uh Maybe we'll have the Hunter Henry breakout game for all the people that have been chasing it uh, the past month. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this game looks like a lot of fun. On the other side, uh, 
Henry Ruggs' usage is way up. Uh, the past three games, he's run a pass rate on 63%, drop 70%, and then 90% last week. Should have had a touchdown last week, only got one foot down. Uh, I hope people are off of Aguilar uh, just yes. because that the game didn't help, just wasn't going to do him any favors. He was averaging 20 yards per catch. Uh, they didn't throw the ball downfield at all. The one thing I will say about Aguilar that you do have to monitor is that Brian Edwards did practice last week and so monitor if he's going to practice again into this week. And if he is back, just to be another guy that, you know, can kind of, you know, get reps and kind of make this thing spread out a little bit more. Agler only ran a route on 24% of team dropbacks when Edwards was active. Uh, but I think he's earned a role still too. So we'll have to see. So that might just throw it off a little bit, but uh, yeah, I hope everyone is off the Raiders because they're a better offense than people think. Uh, and then, you know, last week's weather game probably makes them not want to go back when people were talking them up last week. Uh, limited participant Wednesday night uh, for Edwards. Wednesday afternoon, I suppose, as far as practicing. And yeah, keep an eye on that. Uh, your favorite uh, player to pair with Carr, if not Waller, Daigle. So I'm going to have to have a, uh, a come to God moment because I do want to <laughs> play Aguilar over Henry Ruggs after okay. Henry Ruggs ran a season high 90% of his routes on Derek Carr's dropbacks because they're just not using Henry Ruggs the way we want them to. They're still only getting him involved in deep shots. They tried to get him a shallow touchdown this, uh, this past week, but he did not put his second foot down, which turns out to be an issue when you're an NFL receiver. <laughs> so uh, it did not happen. So I, I prefer Aguilar because everyone's going to be off him, but his usage did not change. Again, it does come down to Brian Edwards. Um, and then I'll also follow the tea leaves to see if they would even play Brian Edwards if he's active. But yes, right now on a Wednesday, I like Aguilar a whole lot. It's actually the first receiver. This game and Aguilar was like the first things I thought of the moment I saw the slate. I was like, yes, Justin Herbert double stack. We run this back with Aguilar, who everyone hates. And uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, I know you guys were big on this game last week and we're kind of running back to the same sort of thought process. And again, there was some goofy weather out there that, you know, you can, we're just throwing it out. And we're thinking that this is the week to do it as far as Aguilar, even Ruggs, I think has a shot to get loose as well too. Uh, as far as the running backs, Jackson, Kelly, or neither? Anybody have a take here? I mean, some Troy so, Mayne Pope. <laughs> or Troy Mayne Pope, yeah. <laughs> so I was listening uh, to my roommate, Evan Silva's uh, AFC review podcast, and he actually, still on the ground, like he's 14 years old still, uh, DM'd a bunch of Chargers riders. And apparently that was just a hot hand situation. Um, the way I perceive that, though, is that Tremaine Pope was the hot hand and yet Justin Jackson still outtouched him 20 to 15 and ran as many routes as Pope did so that would make me higher on Justin Jackson still and just getting away from Pope and Josh Kelly altogether yeah uh what Rich uh, who's your favorite amongst these three I'm not sure if it's worth figuring out one of them's probably going to get there I don't know who it's going to be though well, I mean, the last three games with no Austin Eckler there's been one back that's led the team in yardage every game so it's Justin Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we like Jackson? I mean, he's probably not going to score is the problem. Because <laughs> they will put in Josh Kelly in the 10-yard line. That's the He's not going to score a touchdown is the problem. But he's like he's easily the best bet to lead the team, though, in yardage. He's been the most efficient back. Uh, and he's done it every week since Eckler's been out. It's just, yeah, you got to – you're probably not going to get a touchdown. The other Josh in this game, what about Jacobs? Yeah, I mean, you can always play. I mean, you know what you're getting. I mean, he's second behind Derrick Henry and percentage of teams touches. Uh, he's just not going to catch a lot of passes. They're not going to go away from him. That's what they do. Uh, you know, so, I mean, you're always going to get those touches from him. He's typically not the type of guy I like to just play in DFS. 
just because, you know, if he doesn't score a touchdown, like last week he had 128 yards, useless. I mean, you got nothing. Uh, you know, he's just typically not the archetype of, of player I like to play in DFS, especially when he, he comes with his price tag. Because if he doesn't score a touchdown, you don't get there. He, he got 128 yards, and he was the RB20 on the week in PPR leagues. Like, it's just, like Reef said, it's useless. I was told he would catch the ball more this year. Apparently, it's not happening just yet, so stay tuned, I you suppose. Were, you were told wrong. <laughs> I was he lied is. To. It wasn't a lie. <laughs> he, he's, he's running, like, 10 more routes per game, but that's the tallest short person. It's like Incrementally you're, more. You yeah, went yeah. from, yeah, you went from <laughs> seven and a half routes to, like, 17. Big deal. Uh, other quarterbacks we like this week, uh, I think we have to definitely focus on that Detroit game as far as what's going on, especially from a salary perspective. Uh, Chase Daniel, if he gets to start, he's 6K on Fandle, which I guess is a little less interesting than – I mean, that's playable, kind of opens things up for sure. But he's 4K on DK, which uh, a playable quarterback at 4K on DK. And, again, this is Wednesday night. We don't know what's going to happen on Sunday. There, I just saw a tweet by Schefter earlier today that's saying there's a chance that Stafford might get cleared. He's currently on a COVID list. Uh, if Chase Edmond is 4K on DK, that can really open some things up. Who, who wants to hype up Chase Daniel? Not everybody wants. Anybody? Uh, he's – so the good uh, – okay, so it's, I'm a FanDuel guy, fake FanDuel guy. Okay. Uh, don't play Chase Daniel. How about that? Because <laughs> at that site, you are allowed to do too much. Even with Dalvin Cook at 9,300, you can still easily fit him in. We have a ton of receiver uh, values we will discuss um, this week is not the week on FanDuel, at least, to get cute with Daniel. Uh, Rebar, you have a thought of 4K on DK here? It's, or maybe it's not even, it's Wednesday night, and whatever. We'll figure it out when we get there, if we need to get there, but who knows? Yeah, because, I would hate to waste a bunch of effort and then, you know, yeah. have it not, you know, on Wednesday and then not have You're not going to use much effort on Chase Daniel. <laughs> let's, let's spend effort on Jake Luton. I'm told that's a person. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jake Luton is a thing. Uh, I've seen a lot of people want to stream the Texans defense. I mean, I think that's kind of – Jake Luton, the one thing he did not do in college was throw interceptions. So, I mean, it's, I mean, that it, it, it could mean nothing, could mean nothing here, but he did not turn the ball over a lot in college. That's the only thing he did well. Uh, so, be curious to see what happens. I had four <laughs> defenses written in the Roto World Waiver Wire column on Tuesday. And then I got mentions saying, hey, uh, Texans not here. Did you miss them? And I was like, nope, I didn't, I didn't miss them. They're still the Texans. Like, it doesn't matter. You're not going to play them. Was Washington in that column? Uh, Washington's number one. Anyone against? Oh Daniel yeah, Jones, I just really. assume they're the yeah. yeah. They're, 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 they're like you in the industry. They're ranked like number two, I think, outside of Steelers this week. Yeah. So it's like they're that they're not sneaking up on anyone. The Steelers, uh, the the highest price ever on DK. I know we don't we don't talk about a defense here, but they're like four nine or something like that. They're five K on Fanduel, but uh, they're going to be facing not Danucci, not Gilbert, or maybe Gilbert or some guy named Cooper. I mean, Daniel probably has Garrett Gilbert takes. I mean, the AAF uh, <laughs> passing leader. He was he was part of the championship team that should have been crowned the Orlando Apollo. Oh, well, he, was, he was like far and away the best quarterback in that league. Having said that, um, it's actually worse that Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert would be under center because at least Danucci was running away, whereas these guys are just pocket slots like they're, they're statues they stand in the middle and we know this offensive line is one of the worst in the leagues now um i'm terrified for this team i am absolutely terrified yeah i know they have that streak in pittsburgh where they get a sack every game they get a turnover every game i feel pretty confident they're going to get one of those at least one of those in this game i uh, i can't say that i'm going to play steelers just yet i have to play around with more lineups but i would right now i wouldn't fault anybody on a wednesday like it's like adding another running back honestly because their floor is so safe over under five and a half sacks for Pittsburgh. Over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> yeah. All right. 
we don't really talk on the defense, but I guess it's worth acknowledging. Uh, other quarterbacks we like this week, Rebar, for me, I think you got to talk about, well, let's pick on Jacksonville. Uh, hopefully Jacksonville can kind of stick oh, yeah. close and that yeah. Houston defense is vulnerable. I don't know what Luton is. Maybe you can keep it close, get Watson to throw the ball and like, you know, keep on running it as well. Uh, Deshaun is kind of jumping for me as a, you know, kind of a, a potential option uh, outside of the quarterbacks we already talked about. Talk about Watson if you like it, if you're intrigued, anybody else off the board? Yeah, well, I mean, Watson's easy. I mean, he's been and he's been playing really well the last month. I mean, over nine yards surpassed him to his last five games. We we love him. We love that they didn't trade Will Fuller for Will Fuller's sake and Sean <laughs> Watson's sake. Love that. I think Lamar Jackson. Now I pushed, tried to talk you out of Lamar Jackson last week. Yeah. Now I'm back in this week because this is Lamar Jackson's second game ever on turf. Ever like I mean it's we're we're getting him in indoors. The first one was against Houston this year, where he, he didn't didn't do a lot in that game either. But it's like you were getting him on a fast track, which we just don't get a lot uh, indoors. Uh, it's literally his only is his his second start ever with it with with potentially a roof. It's a retro roof, but uh, yeah, I mean it's and that's exciting. I think that's exciting for J.K. Dobbins too. I know that Gus Edwards is still like a thing, and he's gonna get carries and potentially go on carries. But at Dobbins's price on that kind of fast track. It's still like I'd, I'd rather be early at like five. He's five, three, and four, nine at both sites. Like if I, I can get 16 more J.K. Dobbins touches that aren't against the Steelers, I'm probably just going to take them and see what I get. I'm just going to see where they go. Um, I kind of like the Ravens, uh, you know, offense in a, in a bounce. Act out. We've got Marquise Brown in a real squeaky wheel situation, uh, sending tweets. And then Jackson just basically came out <laughs> today and said, I have to do better at getting the football. Uh, the squeaky wheel narrative has been kind of a playing out. Marvin Jones had two touchdowns last week on the squeaky uh. wheel narrative. Uh, you know, so we're going to ride it. I, I do think the Ravens bounce back fast track, uh, they had a chance to score a lot more points last week than what they did on the Steelers defense. Uh, you know, a couple turnovers, uh, you know, in, in uh, Pittsburgh territory, but they moved the ball really well against that Steelers defense. Uh, they just lost the ball at impromptu times. Uh, and I don't know if that will happen to this week against the Colts. Colts are a good defense, but uh, they're not the Steelers in, in my mind. Uh, so I do like going to the Ravens uh, again this week, even though they have caused us so much heartache so far. Uh, you did your best as far as talking about Lamar last week. It didn't work. Like I kept, I've been Martin Galing him since week one and I'm still waiting for that, you know, upside. He flashed, you know, last year. And I think it's still there. I think he can still run for a hundred and, and touch down and throw a couple as well too. And like you said, like the thing is he's clearly not hurt. Like we were worried about like he's right. the last two games he's run a ton. It's, it's you just, we're waiting for that ceiling to pop again. What do you have for Diego? Any other quarterbacks that are worth uh, throwing out there? Uh, I mean, I guess we have to mention Kyler if only for the rushing oh, yeah. floor. Uh, yeah. The Dolphins defense is clearly overrated. Uh, it's Brian Flores. They know how to play Jared Goff. They played. They have played Jared Goff historically, whether it was the Patriots or the Dolphins, very well. And that's all I did. What they just they were under siege. They sent an extra attacker every single time, and it clearly flustered him. I do think it could also be because they're getting healthy. But also, this is Kyler. We know his floor is safe, um, and, and that's why I I like the Cardinals' offense. Uh, I kind of like. Okay, so I'm not going to play Tua, but I think the <laughs> Dolphins' offense will do enough in this game against the Cardinals, which makes me intrigued in running Kyler because I think everyone's just down on Tua thinking that perhaps uh, the Cardinals will run away with this game. But either way, like I, I still have trust in Tua in his second game. That's not a lot to say. Yeah, it was only a four-point line, and you know it's hard to say if Tua was good or bad. He, they didn't really ask him to do anything that first game. They and it was Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Like it's just it's tough for a rookie to get thrown in that situation. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like Big Ben, in theory, he's got a great matchup against Dallas, but I mean, I don't know if they're going to show mercy or not. I don't know how Dallas keeps up with them. I suppose they can. That's no, theoretically possible, they but they can't. It might be a James Conner game. And that's kind of a good segue to put us the running backs. Well, you also talk about Chris Chase Evans as well, too. And, you know, Miami defensively has been a rush funnel. We've seen so far better in the secondary as opposed to the front seven. And I, I think I, I've listened to a couple po- podcasts so far, read some articles so far, Rebar, and uh, every, it's, everybody's excited about Chase Edmonds this week. And I, I like it, too. Uh, he's still plenty cheap. And, you know, there's not a ton of, like, obvious value as of right now on Wednesday night. And I think he's uh, in my shell lineup in my head in a cash game, uh, you know, for right now, Chase Edmonds. That's yeah, one of the plays, is it not? He's hard to get away from. Uh, he's the RB6 on DraftKings. He's the RB13 in pricing on FanDuel. Uh, granted, you don't get the full PPR, but if he takes over Kenyon Drake's role, which, you know, he did last year when he was the lead back, you know, uh, that game against the Giants when he got his shot to be the lead back, um, he can handle, you know, workload, and he did in college anyway as well. So if he can get close to the 18 touches that per game that Drake had, with his receiving acumen in a, a good spot against the, like you said, a rush field defense as a home favorite. He just, he's checking a lot of boxes. And then you said, when you get him, is it even cheaper on FanDuel at the RB13 pricing? Is that this guy? He's actually, I believe he's cheaper on just raw pricing. He's cheaper on FanDuel than DK, actually. Uh, maybe I have it just off by a hundred dollars. I think he's there. It's a hundred dollar difference, but it, you know, whatever I digress. Uh, Miami's Miami's bad against the run. He's easy to play uh, there. The other guys behind him haven't played hardly at all uh, this season. So I doubt that they get like, you know, Benjamin and um, what's the other guy's name? Jonathan Drake? Ward. Jonathan Dun- Ward. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Ward. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, he's really hard to get away from, uh, like I said, especially at that pricing he's on the board. You kind of mentioned Connor. I think Connor's just a easy smash here. Uh, the last time the Steelers were like heavy handed, you know, cruising through a game was the Browns game and they threw 22 passes. Uh, and then, you know, Ben's, you know, whole thing, like they, they can probably get there and he can, you know, get some passing touchdowns, but I don't think this is a heavy pass attempt game for the Steelers. Uh, and we've just been playing any running back we can against the Cowboys at this point. I mean, 44.4% of the offensive yardage gained against the Dallas Cowboys this season has come via rushing. It's the highest rate in the NFL. They're allowing 19.9 rushing points per game to opposing running backs. That's 31st in the league. What what are you going to do, man? And James Conner has been awesome since week one when he left that game against the Giants. I mean, he's gone over 100 total yards in four of his six games. The only two games he didn't was against the Eagles and Ravens, two of the league's best run defense. And in both those games, he got in the paint still uh, to save his, you know, to save his line as well. And he's got 18 or more touches in all those games. So, I mean, it's really easy, I think, to just to to play Conner when you're looking to figure out. And he saves you the, the conundrum of which Steelers guy do you, which Steelers receiver do you play this week? Uh, as far as the running backs in the Miami situation, I think that's worth touching on. Uh, we'll see what happens there with Brita. I assume Brita's going to be available. You know, Laird and Howard probably comes back to siphon those goal line touchdowns. And maybe, maybe nobody gets there. But as of right now, Brita 4-7 on Fandle, uh, 4K stone minimum yeah. on DK, certainly in play as well. Uh, what do you have for me as far as the Miami situation there, Daigle, and other running backs that kind of pop for you? I'm still worried about Brita because I think Jordan Howard would be involved. Uh, if Brita's out, I'm guessing it would be DeAndre Washington between the 20s and Jordan Howard. Um, maybe his role expands a little bit like it did that first month where he was primarily the back inside the 10-yard line. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be a three-headed backfield, honestly. So I'm, even I'm a little bit worried about Brita among the cheaper options. Uh, of course, Dalvin Cook. Like I, I know his, yeah. I know his price is high, 
But even without Stafford, and I think Stafford plays, by the way, but even without Stafford, it was kind of shaping up to be an absolute smash spot. I was hoping people were get, would get too cute and do the thing where, like, they're trying to find leverage off of Cook. So they played Kirk Cousins with, like, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. But, like, uh, this Lions, the Lions organization, we know, Matt Patricia builds a 22-man unit, and they forget about the other guys going mm. down to 53. And that's what's happening right now. Like, it's just a bad team because they're injured. They couldn't afford to lose two guys. Trey Flowers on defense, Kenny Galladay on offense, and those are the two guys they lost. So I think it's just the Vikings big in this game, and that would be at the hands of Dalvin Cook. And as we know, that's Mike Zimmer's wet dream because he, he let Kirk Cousins throw 14 <laughs> pass attempts last week. He doesn't care. He's just going to run Dalvin Cook all day. Dalvin Cook had 32 of the team's 35 carries. Even Alexander Madison is an issue. So I'm paying up for Dalvin Cook everywhere, even on FanDuel, where we talked about Derrick Henry being 9,500. But at least Dalvin Cook is using the passing game more as well. So his floor is higher at 93. And then I also like Antonio Gibson off the bye. Yeah. I'm admittedly hoping for a little bit of a uh, rookie post-bye bump here. But either way, Peyton Barber's 33% snaps before the bye were false because the Washington had absolutely smashed the Cowboys in the second half. I mean, the first half, they were dominating so they could get Barber involved. And Gibson nearly mirrored J.D. McKissick in snaps, but Gibson's the one who still got 20 carries, and more importantly, the carries inside the 10-yard line. And so now if I can just play him and hope for a little bit of a lottery bump in his usage, I think is a great play in a positive game script. Yeah, I saw that the chat was talking about Kirk Cousins. Am I the same sort of thought process? It's like they have, if they have their drillers, he throws the ball 15 times and – you know, Cook and Madison just go nuts against this Detroit team. And, hey, that's a good segue. You talk about Detroit with their all 22. They're 22 guys. And who's the next man up for wide receivers? Um, is it a Marvin stack? Oh, it, Quintez is back in our lives. They're pretty cheap, especially on DK. What are we doing here without Galladay out? Does anybody have any Detroit takes? Rebar, you go first. Yeah, Marvin Hall and his huge uh, target share and air yard share last week as well. Uh, I I think Hawkinson is the bump guy. Uh, yep. I mean, you look, he he got he had season high targets, season high target share last week. He's really come on the past two weeks and he's getting more usage. Uh, he'd be the guy I'd look to uh, to get to get the bump. I think because we even go back to the start of the season, Marv's usage it's still it really hasn't changed. Like nothing really changed for Marv when you know Galladay came back. Uh, he was still kind of getting this, he's still running around and exercising on all those plays, you know, just found some targets. Um, I mean, I'm probably not going to play any of those guys. I don't think, I mean, I'll have to, I'll have to see how it shakes out. Cause I mean, I'll have to wait and see if Chase Daniel plays or not too. Obviously if Stafford plays, that gives you a run back spot. Uh, I'm looking at a, a pretty gross stack. Well, the receiver isn't gross. The receiver is good, but I think the stacking potential of the game is gross. I don't know if people will get there. Uh, so I would bet on Calvin Ridley not playing in this game on Sunday. Um, I saw a couple of the doctor folk out there basically say there's no, he really doesn't, he's low odds to play. Didn't practice today. Since returning to the lineup, uh, Julio has seen 10, nine and 10 targets. He's been awesome in all three games. Uh, Denver, uh, they're pretty good again, opposing wide receiver ones. But again, this is a Atlanta Falcons team. Like we know what they're going to do. We know where the ball's going to go. Julio's going to get his opportunity. Uh, so if you want to get cute, if you can run a Julio, like Drew Locke, Noah Fant stack, uh, what are you and, doing and have, to me? And, and kind of have some fun. <laughs> um, Jerry Judy played in the perimeter for the first time this season uh, last last week. Uh, he had run 75% of his routes in the slot prior to last week. Now, it could just because Tim, Tim Patrick didn't play, but they also moved K.J. Hamler into the slot. Uh, both those guys were slot players in college, and H- Hamler had played outside to start the year and Judy inside. So maybe they flip it and it stays where Judy and 
Tim Patrick are the outside perimeter wide receivers no matter what, even if Tim Patrick plays. He's pretty cheap, though, as well. Um, I also think you can play the Atlanta defense, too, because Denver allows uh, their third and allowing over five sacks plus turnovers per game. Uh, kind of fun. But uh, th- that game, it's gross. But listen, Julio is a good play. Uh, Julio also 2015 and 13 targets and the three games Calvin Ridley missed last year. It's like Julio to me is like, not just a good play. He's like the play that you can't get away from because he shouldn't be priced like Devonte Adams, in my opinion, without Calvin Ridley, but he's only like 7,200 on DraftKings and on FanDuel where touchdowns matter. Of course, we're chasing them as well. If, uh, if really doesn't play, is there any secondary receiver you like at Atlanta that gets a bump, especially one of the cheapies, or it's just like throwing darts as far as gauge or, Zacchaeus or even maybe hundred. Yeah, we, already did first. It with, we already did it when Julio is out, man. And it just, yeah. you might yeah. run to like a floor, but there's no upside really. There's not a lot of upside with those guys. Dago, we're up against the clock a little bit. Feel free to fire off some receivers, maybe a tight end or two that you're looking at as of a Wednesday night. Uh, if you want to pivot away from the Steelers, just smashing the Cowboys, Deontay Johnson's still a 30% target share in every mm-hmm. full game he's played. And last week, it's a little overlooked. He walked out to the trainer's table with a hamstring injury. But still, I think he's the number one receiver getting shallow targets in among them. Uh, Terry McLaurin returns from the bye with a 52% target share in his last game with Kyle Allen. I think people forgot that now that we're 14 days removed from it. He'll, of course, be shadowed by James Bradbury, but not really a matchup I'm worried about. Terry McLaurin is just hashtag good. Uh, and then Brandon Cooks, we talked about why we like Deshaun Watson, but Brandon Cooks still leads this team in targets in the new regime with Romeo Cornell. And then uh, I think everyone might chase Michael Pittman as the best receiver to play against the Colts, but I think it is Marcus Johnson who's averaging 20 yards a catch, and he's a stone man on DraftKings and played 70% of the snaps whenever T.Y. Hilton just left this past game. Doesn't look like he's going to play. Also, Ashton Doolin not at practice. Doesn't look like he's going to play. So Marcus Johnson, I think, is just a better outright play than Michael Pittman. I like those names. I, I like a 3K uh, stone minimum guy as well, too. Yep. I'm going to keep an eye on uh, I don't. I don't like rostering players in the Colts because, like, nobody ever seems to shine, and it's hard to figure out who it's going to be from week to week at any position. It's but- – it's also different this week because we have to wait for the Ravens defense. Like they could be, they literally might have to call up all their practice squad to play linebacker, which would change the game entirely. Like we don't know just yet. So uh, Rebar, fire off whatever else you have on your list. If you have any tight ends, by all means, fire away as well too. And uh, of course, chat, you guys are with us. Like, subscribe, follow these guys on the, of course you're following them on Twitter. If you're not, tell them where your Twitter is, tell them where to, to get the content at. Yeah, you got it. Uh, yeah, we covered most of the ground. I'm sure we'll have some stuff, you know, get unearthed as the week goes on. We covered a lot of names there. Anytime we get Marcus Johnson drops uh, to close the show, we're in a good place on a Wednesday. So, you know, <laughs> giving some people some things to think about. Finish uh, strong. But, you know, yeah, as usual, sharpfootballanalysis.com. Find the worksheet. Uh, pre-snap motion podcast with Chad Scott. Sharp Angles podcast with Cleve and Dan Pazuda. Uh, every Wednesday night, 9 Eastern, Roto-Grinders pick six with Dean and John Daigle. Shut it down. And on Sunday, we're going to be here together on Sunday. Oh, I will be uh, on this Sunday as well. Yeah, 10, 10 in, uh, on the East Coast. Be good times for sure. Daigle, tell the people what you're up to. Uh, what was that you that, that wrote the uh, the Minshew uh, scapegoat? Was that you on, uh, on Roto World? <laughs> that was that was me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, great, great one. Nice to uh, I know he has a hand injury, but also someone needs to get angry and point the blame at the organization. So you're all welcome. Uh, yeah, at not Jay Daigle on Twitter. I will not be here Sunday morning, unfortunately, with my friends. But if I get an invite later in the year, I will gladly come on and join my boy, Dean. Um, but until then, Roto World Football Podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be coming out with our Friday morning preview show later this week. And I'll be back, of course, 
on Sunday morning for a start sit. Pretty much the only time I answer start sit since this year is the most absolute insane thing I've ever experienced in my life. And when we get through it, we're all going to pat each other on the backs because we actually made it through it. And by the way, if you're still, if you're in season long competing, like now is the best time to just grind and put your head down because you deserve it. Like you, it's like, (laughs) it's like the bubble winner for the NBA. It's all about gratification and resilience right now. So fight through it. And it's going to be the best thing you have ever accomplished in your entire life. Even better than being bored. Don't worry. Fun show, guys. That was Daigle. That was Rebar. I was Dean. Enjoy your football this week. We're out of here. Holler.